Hello, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Susan DeSunzi. In today's episode, Chronic Pain and the Cures, I wanted to dive into with my very special guest, Dr. Tawny Cross, the ways that we can actually cure pain. So if you're dealing with any kind of chronic pain situation or you know someone that is, this is absolutely an episode to listen in on and share because chronic pain is such a prevalent problem overall, especially, well, I I don't even know if it's just especially here in the United States, but throughout the world. And it is so debilitating and can so mess with your psychological, your emotional, your spiritual, your mental beingness. And I know this firsthand because earlier in the spring of 2021, I was dealing with a situation where it got to the point where honestly, I felt like just ending it all. And not because I was suicidal and depressed, but because chronic pain can inhibit so much of your life. So as you listen into this episode today, please keep an open mind to the fact that regardless of what you may have been told by your medical staff, your medical team, that there is and are ways to heal, diminish, and cure chronic pain. Now, I need to put a disclaimer down that curing is one of those words that is governed by the government a lot to say, oh, you got to be careful to say cure. Now, I'm not offering up here that if you listen to this episode today, you're going to all of a sudden walk away with all everything you need to cure your pain immediately. But there are absolutely ways to do that. I have pain control processes that can help. Dr. Tawny Cross has insight and techniques and ways to help. And it's an episode worth really paying attention to because this is such a a big problem. The other thing is I want to add that we did record this episode originally on November 11th, which was Veterans Day. And in the very beginning, you'll hear me say that let's give a moment of silence. And there is a purposeful moment of silence in the beginning of the episode to honor those veterans who have served or who have lost their life or limbs to their service. So please know that it was designed that way, and that there's no glitch with your audio. It was simply a moment of honoring. I truly hope you enjoy today's show. And if there are any questions that you have for me or Dr. Tawny Cross, please reach out to me or Tawny and let us know. We're more than happy to help you. I hope you find value in today's show, and I'll see you on the other side. Oh my gosh. I am super, super, you know, you guys hear me say this all the time that I am super, super excited to have somebody in the guest seat, but you know what? I don't bring on guests that I'm not excited about. So like, you know, tough, I'm excited. And the person that I have in the house today, I'm going to introduce her and welcome her to the show first. And then I want to read a little bit about her background to you, because I want you to really feel what you are in for over the course of this time we are here together. We are going to talk about a whole body, integrative, holistic healing approach to actually curing pain. And you could be sitting there going, 
Nah, I don't know if that's possible, but I guarantee you it is. So first, I want to welcome to the house, Dr. Tawny Cross. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time out to share with our audience today how to do just that. <laughs> Hi, Susan. I am so glad to be here with you. And Tawny is fine. And Tawny is fine. Okay. Well, I always want to give the respect where respect is due of the doctor title because you earned it, right? And just as a just as a little outset before I tell you a, a little bit about Tawny, I want to honor the fact that we are actually recording this today, November 11th on Veterans Day. And what's so special about that is that Tawny works at the Veterans Administration doing exactly what she's going to talk about today with veterans. And I have an incredibly special place in my heart for vets because of my family history, the fact that I used to work at the VA, and I just want to honor and take a quick moment of silence for all of you who are listening, who have served, who know someone who has served, who want to serve someday, or with deepest heart hugs to you, if you've lost someone who served, thank you for your service. <sighs> All right. So let me tell you a little bit about Tawny Cross. Tawny graduated with her doctorate in physical therapy from Duke University back in 2013. She has worked in a Veterans Affairs Hospital for nearly a decade now. And through the course of her practice, she has developed a very comprehensive and integrative approach to physical therapy, which evolved from the necessity of such an approach in her work with the complexities of those who have chronic pain. Because as you all know, chronic pain can, uh, the damage it can do from a mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological place besides the physical is is beyond. And if you deal with chronic pain, you unfortunately know this all too well. Now, that includes nutrition pieces, hypnosis, guided imagery, mindfulness, among many other practices, which we're going to dive into a bit today. Now, focusing on the mental health and, and trauma sensitivities is something that was of particular importance to Tawny because many of her clients had experienced military sexual trauma. And you may have heard a lot of uh, stories about that in the news in recent years. It's still a very prevalent, very quiet, very hidden problem. And so when Tawny would work with them and find these things out, well, there's a connection here. Now, she helps her clients move beyond pain and fear by connecting them with their internal motivations, guiding them to see innate strengths and realize they have inner healing abilities, as we all do. She recently started her own business, Cross-Centered Care Integrative Physical Therapy, Health and Wellness, in order to bring her expertise to more people. And the real reason I really wanted to bring Tawny on today is because I think that because chronic pain is such a major issue with so many people, whether it really inhibits and affects their life and stops them and they're they may have a disability because of it, or they've had to stop working. It is something that so many people feel often quietly, and they don't really seek out any assistance from the medical world for it sometimes. And if we can offer up an approach today 
that you, there are tools and skills you can walk away from from this this time together with Tawny. Oh my God, think of how you can ignite the healing abilities of your own body. So with that being said, Tawny, I've babbled enough. What really was kind of the deeper motivation that besides, besides kind of working with the veterans, right? What was some of the personal deeper motivation for you that led you to even become a physical therapist and decide that chronic pain was really an important issue for you? So that is a very good question um, because I was actually just writing about this last night. Um, when I started in the field, I I was thinking about just very comfortably sliding into a place of general orthopedic stuff, you know, Hey, like you have an ankle sprain, I'll work with that. Um, and so what I learned was, by the way, this is a hot tip. If you want to have an easy general orthopedic job, don't work at the VA. <laughs> <laughs> right. I understand that. So what I found was that, yeah, like really like tissue based injuries where you have a sprain, if you have a, a rotator cuff issue, those things are really, really, really easy to treat. Um, but the bulk of the people that came into the VA were not those cases. They had so many things that were in the medical history and it wasn't just the physical stuff. It was the emotional stuff that was involved. Um, and what I started to see was that um, people were getting shuttled back and forth um, from department to department. And they, they saw a pain clinic, they saw orthopedics, they saw us, and there was no answer for these people. So, um, and then we, if you talk to other medical providers, they're like, yeah, we don't really know what to do. So we're, we're just going to send them back to PT. <laughs> and we're like, these people are not getting answers. Yeah. Um, so what it came down to was making a decision. Do I continue to feed into the funnel? where nobody really gets anywhere and people are really just pain managing. Mm, um, mm -hmm. And I, and share in the camaraderie of like, oh, okay, maybe it's because these people just um, they have to live with this, or maybe um, it's because they're not doing their exercises because they're not motivated, whatever it was. Um, that was the, the type of talk that we had. Um, so I could choose that, or I could choose to be better and choose to be better for my clients and patients. Um, and that is what I chose to do. And it was actually pretty scary in the beginning because it, it can be overwhelming. And, and I know it's overwhelming to the people that struggle with it. It is just as overwhelming to the providers because we don't know, or a lot of us don't know what to do. There's a right. lot of burnout from it. We don't really like seeing people who are struggling so hard because we came into the field, obviously trying to make people better. And when we don't have that, it's just like, what do we do? Right. Um, so it was a little scary in the beginning. So I, I first started tackling, um, looking at things on the physical level. You know, I, I took dry needling courses. Um, I took more manual therapy courses and just like, maybe I have to get better at making my fingers more magical. Um, that wasn't it. <laughs> so can I pause you right there yeah. though? As long as you don't lose train of thought, isn't that interesting how you internalize that? Like I have to get better. Right. Yeah. I have to. And I and I want to point I want to pause for a second here and address the audience, Tony, because I want you listening to realize that this is a professional doctor individual who still had a bit of that internal thought that said, 
oh, well, maybe I need to get better. So it's part of that whole thing that we all can feel. We're like, well, maybe I need to learn more. Maybe I need to do more. Maybe I need to be better at this. Maybe I need to like kind of fix that or address that within me. And it isn't, but this bird, something beautiful, right? Yeah, no. And that's, that's exactly where I was going with it is that it first was about me learning, needing to learn more. Yeah. And, and that's definitely still part of the journey, right? Sure. Cause we always want to have a growth mindset, but, um, through that process, I realized that to pre- really make people whole and start to heal people, I need to be able to tap in, in their ability, their own motivations, their own talents, their own superpowers, because they have those, they just have lost sight of what they were. Right. Um, and so you know, going through this entire process, getting the skills that I needed, looking more into the mental and emotional hypnosis, whatever type of stuff allowed me to see that what it came down to was allowing people to see that they could heal um, and showing them how they could do that with guidance, collaboration from me, but not from me. Right. Oh, I love that because that's really empowering to those that you're working with, right? Because you're not standing there saying, well, I have this thing or the skill or the superpower and I will fix you or I will do blank, blank, blank. Yes, you'll be doing things, of course, but it it's really teaching them how to recognize their own superpowers and innate abilities and the power of the body to heal, which it has. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what did kind of what did that lead to then? Did that lead to, I mean, in some of these trainings or in your quest, right? Because yes, it is a growth mindset. We always have to be willing to keep learning and growing and evolving. But in that kind of process for yourself, did you find that there was some moment that something clicked that made you say, I believe I'm kind of onto something I haven't seen before yet? Yeah. Um, I would say it was actually through a course called therapeutic pain specialist. It was a certification. Okay. And the people there were amazing. Um, and it was, it wasn't just that they, they knew a lot or they, they had the skills and knowledge. It was that they were truly excited about healing chronic pain. And the reason they were excited about it was because they were onto something because they, they started to have this consistent trend on what exactly pain was when they started to understand what pain was and what that meant to different people and how to, again, same thing. I think they realized they really had to work with helping people set their own goals, their own intentions. So that it's not just about us delivering a recommendation because you know how many times you know you give you give something you tell tell me to have pain medication or um do diet or do exercise and they're like yeah we know this but who does it that well if you just tell them to do it right um, so so some of the message that we we had in this one course was like hey you have to really start to work with people's goals and understand what they want like what what is it they want not what you want to make them better but what they need and want to make themselves feel better but wouldn't everybody always say oh i don't want to feel pain anymore oh absolutely and that is something that i really like to emphasize is that yes nobody wants pain we are wired to avoid pain right <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, but it doesn't get to the heart of what they want. I'm like, so, oh. so w- one, one of the things that I like to say is like, a, let me just 
put this into perspective. Let's say you don't like you are pain-free, but in order for you to be pain-free, you have to be lying in your bed all day. You do nothing else, but you get your pain-free. People are like, no, I don't want that. I'm like, yes, exactly. Uh, it's what you, it's not the pain-free that you want. It's what you could do when you are pain-free. And that is where you start to look into what their vision is for their life because they, again, they've lost sight of that. I love that perspective. What a shift because so, um, Back in 2012, I was hiking on a mountain in Sedona by myself, and I stepped down about two feet from from like it wasn't one of those hikes where you need rappelling equipment, but it also wasn't just like, oh, here's a little dusty trail and you just kind of follow it. Right. So it was a little bit challenging. It was kind of in between. And it was about a two foot drop. And I stepped down and I tore the Achilles tendon in my right my right leg. So I. Uh, due to various things with my work at the time, we elected not to do the surgery for a period of months and I wore a boot. Okay, great. So eventually I had the surgery. During the surgery, evidently my brain flipped a switch and I developed a CRPS, which is chronic regional, I think it's called chronic regional. Well, you know, I can't, chronic regional pain syndrome, right? It yeah. used to be called um, RD something, something. RSD. RSD, right. Yeah. So I developed CRPS and um, they, I guess, can see it on MRIs or whatnot or whatever. And as I began to walk again, uh, working with my physical therapist, we couldn't figure out why I had so much pain. Like this is, they're like, this is not normal for what you've experienced. Like it shouldn't be this kind of pain. And it was so excruciating all the time. And they're like, they kind of think something else is going on. And that led to tests and da, da, da. And they said, yeah, it's CRPS. So I was like, well, what do I do for it? And they're like, well, go see the pain management specialist. Like, okay. So he put me on um, Lyrica, right? Which is like a, a, a brand gabapentin kind of med. And Ultimately, it gave me the rare side effect of being a chronic kidney stone maker. So I eventually <laughs> had to go off of it because it was causing more pain. But I'm one of those rare cases or rare, maybe rarer, and you could speak to this better than I, where the CRPS seemed to be uh, to, to resolve. I, I, that was back in 2013. I had the surgery. This is 2021. I very rarely get any kind of CRPS kind of shocky mm -hmm. pain signals. Mm -hmm. But the reason I sh I'm sharing this and brought this up is that I couldn't imagine the kind of pain I had that I had to live with that every day to that level yeah. from, mm -hmm. and I believe the body heals itself. And I do a lot of the inner work and I, I, you know, you all know, listening, how involved I am in my own kind of mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological life of doing the inner things, guided imagery, various things. But I could never, even if I had a bit of a pain control process for the moment, it was like I couldn't resolve the thing overall, right? And I have a dear friend who's dealing with something similar, very severe case of CRPS, and it's totally inhibiting our life. So it's like what you're talking about then is so exciting because for, for a case like that, where an accident happened or I had this surgery or somebody else, whatever, the way to kind of start to, to heal it then and get at it is you kind of have these um, like what processes or kind of like 
I mean, can you unpack that a little bit? Like, what would you say if I came to you and said, I have this issue now, like, how Mm -hmm. would you help? Yeah. So what I would say first is doing a little bit more digging on what that person's understanding of pain is. Um, I think part of why I drive that is because most of us don't know what pain is. And we have a very, um, an old pain model, essentially, right? Like it's, it's, Hey, you have an injury, you have to have pain, Uh. but that is not true because there's at least 40%, if not more, like literally almost half of the population that have a physical tissue thing, but have no pain. And if they have that, then there's also the people that have no tissue stuff and have a heck ton of physical pain. Oh my God. You're so right. Um, and again, like this, these, you, you guys know this kind of convos I like to have. I've been told I have, well, first of all, I have two plates in my neck. I've had four cervical surgeries. I've allegedly, and I air quotes here, people allegedly, because it's been seen on MRIs and blah, 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 uh, three or four thoracic discs in my mid, in my thoracic region, which is kind of mid spine, uh, that are supposedly herniated, blown, blah, blah. And I have like three lower, right? I think it's like L4, L3, L4, L4, L5, L5, S1. And yet I don't have any pain. And I've asked my ortho guy and the neurosurgeon before, like, why don't I have any pain? And he's like, oh, it's just asymptomatic. But why does somebody else who have that? And they're like walking with a cane. So like, I get that because I have had times where it's been like, quote unquote, my back's gone out and then I it's spasming or I have a lot of pain. But can you, can you unpack that more than like, is that just an emotional or a mental or kind of a psychological thing or what? Yeah. So what I would say the most, I think, general way of putting it is one sentence is that pain is a hundred percent produced by the brain, no matter what, like if you get an ankle sprain, it's produced by the brain. If you don't have an ankle sprain, still produced by the brain. And it, <sighs> if you think about it like this, the brain is always scanning for threats and danger, right? Okay. It, it wants to help you survive. Right. And if it decides that something is threatening enough, then it can choose to produce physical pain. Um, so for, for the people that experience chronic pain, um, or even, even let's, let's, let's not even say for the people that experience chronic pain, let's just t- talk about people as a whole. So the brain is looking at the physical stuff for sure. Right. If you have a rotator cuff tear, if you have a herniated disc, um, if you have, um, a missing ACL, but it's also looking at the sociological stuff too. It's looking at your economics, your education, your relationship, your culture. It's also looking at the psychological stuff, PTSD, anxiety, depression, all of those things combined. Um, and it's scanning. And if you think about your system as, as like a container, um, if you only pour in maybe the, the rotator cuff tear or the knee arthritis, then the brain goes, eh, not really a big enough deal. I've got other muscles. I've got other joints and it can choose not to produce pain, or you'll be one of those people that get a little bit of physical therapy and bam, you're on your way to, I don't know, sports and whatever else you want to get in. But if you have other things that are pouring into your container, um, or nothing from the physical side at all, but lots of things pouring in from elsewhere, then the brain starts to be like, that seems dangerous. That is alarming. And Danger equals physical pain often with chronic pain, uh, with to the brain with chronic pain. So because it's the that's like a, 
what the warning signal then it's just kind of trying to alert the consciousness the person to just be more aware or notice it yep and then it, i mean okay. it there's there's two i think there's two ways you can go about that yes there are people who have physical pain and i always like to emphasize here that when the brain is 100% producing pain there's nothing imaginary about it it's always very real okay so the brain is producing pain it's always very real um but the brain can choose to allow emotional threats to manifest as a physical pain, or oh. um, it can just be the combination of things combined that you happen to have a little bit of a, a nerve impingement somewhere in your back. And that on top of the other things your brain was worried about, the brain's like, well, let me just pick that part there because that happens to be the greatest threat. So you're adding things on top of it. It, it can choose to do a bunch of things. Um, but we, what, what we know for sure though, is that danger threat brain sees it and it can choose to manifest with physical pain. So then how does somebody who is experiencing, and I, I want to say what they perceive, but I don't want to be dismissive here and make it sound like when I say how they perceive to diminish that it's like, it's not real pain, right? Mm -hmm. How do you then decipher when you're working with somebody mm -hmm. and like, how do they then it's kind of a, I, I know I'm not being very clear in my question because it feels very integrated. All right. Yeah. So like, if you get what I'm trying to say already without me asking it, <laughs> yes. like, how do you work with them and how do they decipher that for themselves to understand that? So they're not doing like this self-blame thing, like, well, what's wrong with me emotionally or spiritually or mentally or psychologically that I can't figure it out that I have this pain, but other times I don't. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's actually only been one time where someone verbalized to me that it feels like it's shifting the blame on themselves. And it was wonderful. It's a separate story that I'll tell about in a second because his wife was with him and she heard me and knew what I was talking about. Ah. And she came, she came up with a metaphor to explain it to him. Okay. Um, but, but to, to your answer here um, is that I almost always, if they haven't had a physical examination before by some other therapist or some other medical provider, then I will do an examination to make sure that I'm clearing any physical things that might be contributing. Okay. Um, but in general, if things have been cleared and you're starting to look at, um, and when I say things have been cleared, any like red flag stuff, like, Hey, do they have unexplained weight loss and um, bowel bladder dysfunction, things that are more like um, cancer infection signs that we should know, Hey, you got to get back into the hospital immediately for A, B, or C. Um, if you're looking at things like, Hey, I have pain at rest. You're not moving tissues when you're at rest. I have pain when I'm sleeping. I have pain when I'm sitting. I have pain when I'm standing. You're starting to look at less of a tissue based thing and more of a non-physical thing that is driving why you have pain. But that's not for everywhere, right? So like when my back has gone out, let's say, mm -hmm. sitting then absolutely hurts it more, maybe. Let's mm -hmm. say, I, I don't remember exactly because I don't even <laughs> remember, to be honest with you. Maybe it was more when I was standing. I don't even know. But let's say there is an injury physically to the body that sitting it hurts more. You're not saying like, I just wanted, I want to decipher like, or unpack more, how can, how can a person 
start to recognize those pieces so that they can begin to use maybe some of the processes that wh whether they can actually like, well, okay. Ah, see, this is a big topic, people. And, <laughs> and it's a big topic because there's a lot of charge to it, right? Because physical pain is very real and also can, like Tawny said, be a bit influenced in its physical feeling of it more by the brain's threat when actually from a tissue or a physical perspective, it's really not as bad as it seems. That's why I can have these herniated discs and not feel any pain. And other times she's absolutely right. When I felt more emotionally stressed, when I felt like there's a whole lot of stuff going on in my life, maybe my back goes out and I kind of have always looked at it like maybe it's a way to kind of get me to slow down or stop or whatever. And I give it the physical rest it needs in the moment of its inflammation kind of thing. But then after that, if I if I just like buy into it and go, oh, no, my back's out, I can't do it, then it kind of stays around for a longer time. But if I'm kind of like, you know, uh, OK, it, yeah, I, I maybe I stressed it too much. Maybe I overworked something. It's a little bit inflamed. It's a little bit tender. Give it a little bit of rest. Oh, I need a little bit of rest in my life overall too. Okay, great. And then I'm kind of back up and running. My back seems to be fine, right? But how do you decipher for somebody listening who may or may not be able to see you or who may or may not be able to work with you? First of all, do you work with people like if they can't physically come see you? Yes, we do. Uh, well, at the VA, I do telehealth. And with my own um, separate side gig, I take on limited numbers of virtual patients, a virtual patient. So then how do you, how do you kind of help them unpack that a little bit more so that they're not kind of torn between this? Is it just this, because I don't know, I'm just, I'm curious, do you find that people, and, and this is just me inquiring, I don't agree or disagree one way or another, I'm trying to learn because this is fascinating to me, right? Mm -hmm. Because I did not know that the, I, I've always felt that the emotional, that everything is a warning system of the body, right? Physical pain is a warning system that, hey, here's a problem. Knock, knock, your appendix problem, pay attention. You don't pay attention. Your 300 pound guy, you know, high fever, appendix burst on the floor going, it's fine. I'm good, right? When really it's a problem. We don't pay attention sometimes, right? Well, it's the same to me in my mind with the emotional body and the psychological body and the mental body and the spiritual body kind of thing. These are warning signals. But to discern when there's this real problem that is there, but it's kind of being overlaid, like you said, by the brain's interpretation that there's this, this bigger threat, How? what can you offer up about that? So that anybody listening right now, if they never contact you to understand and learn more, mm -hmm. what could they kind of understand about that? So they don't kind of go into this place that makes it worse, I guess, is what mm -hmm. I'm asking. Yeah. So I would say um, I'm going to take you as an example. Um, okay. You, you said that your back got, th got thrown out, right? Right. Um, or locked up or what, uh, whatever uh, terms like most people tend to use. Um, generally speaking, it is very, very rare to have a, like an atraumatic injury, right? It's usually coming with, if you have, if you're training for a marathon and you get a repetitive stress um, kind of thing, or if you have 
your, your soccer player and someone dies at your knee. Although sometimes we know they're faking it. So we don't know that. <laughs> but that being said, when you're doing normal day-to-day things like okay. hey, bending, bending forward, touching your toes, you grab a Kleenex from the ground and you're like, Oh, something happened with my back or like where you're doing things that your body's kind of designed to do. Then you're actually going to set your question like, okay, what, what was that? that was so dangerous that my body reacted to it because people have what they call um, an, a central sensitization or a hypersensitivity of those nerves, because if the brain is concerned, it will ramp up the sensitivity. So um, oh. we use the, we use the alarm signal as, as a way of talking about it. So like, let's say you, you have a smoke alarm. If the smoke alarm rings, it could choose to ring when there is an actual fire, but it also chooses to ring when you're baking cookies, Right. And if the sensitivity is turned up too much, it will definitely trigger. And you have no idea. Is it a fire? Is it a baking cookie? Right. Right. So that is what I like to point people out to is, did your injury occur or quote injury, unquote, from something that was almost like a baby should have been able to do that. Like that didn't involve um, that much work. And if it did, then you might start to wonder, was that because I tend to have a hypersensitivity thing. And I'm going to use one more example here because it's my favorite. Um, there's a, a well-known pain scientist. His name is Lorimer Mosley. Um, and he had, um, he was walking through, they call it walking through the bush because they're Australian. So it means hiking, I think. Um, so they're walking through the bush and he had a scratch on his ankle that he felt. And he just continued walking because he was like, okay, twig. Um, and then he fainted because apparently it was a snake bite and it's very poisonous and only like half people survive that type of snake bite. Wow. He's hospitalized. But after that, he um, was back out again. He's obviously alive because he's telling the story and he starts to go back and walk through the bush again. This time he's with his friend. And he said, he felt that same scratch on his ankle. He's like, my body lit up with pain. He's like, it was 10 out of 10. I was screaming. And my friend's like, that one was literally a twig because what wow. happened is the brain learned that that signal was mm-hmm. associated with something life-threatening mm-hmm. and it needed to warn him. And mm-hmm. the brain learns by experience association and repetition. Right. Uh, so for, for him, he needs to unlearn that experience, but for people who have, let's say, Oh, my, my knee always snaps or I felt something in my back. They are now bringing into likely they're bringing into something an experience that they had, which allowed that, maybe trigger to occur, even though the popping might've always been there, but if it was associated together and they're walking, like I felt the pop, I know that something's wrong. And when they think that something is wrong, their subconscious think is something wrong and it will alarm and it will want to produce pain. Wow. So when you work with people, then how do you, is there, is there some tips or tools that you can offer up now, um, on how kind of you can, you help people and you work with people to start to recognize, I guess what I'm hearing is like some of the discerning, some of those threats, like, like he had to learn, oh, wait, it was the twig this time. So now he's got these two experiences, right? The first time was actually the snake. He didn't recognize it, didn't feel it. Second time he'd already known because of the life-threatening situation, same, same feeling, but oh 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 his like you said his brain associated it danger danger pain 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 but somewhere along the way he's only had one of each experience now so he has to step in right i mean correct mm-hmm. me if i'm wrong he has to step in now and go mm-hmm. wait 
I need to re like reassociate this or something. Are mm-hmm. there some like tools or skills that tips or whatever that you could offer up on a bit on how to begin doing that? So, so somebody could at least begin that process of allowing their body to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the easiest way is actually just to work on desensitization and by repetition, right? Cause um, experience and association sometimes it's kind of like this abstract idea. Like, how do I, how do I bring that together? So that might be a longer right, example right. or story, but repetition is easiest. It, it takes long, a long time. Right. But it's, um, but it's the easiest to do. So um, repetition as you, as for him, if he gets that feedback, he like continues to run that twig over his leg, over his leg. And the brain sees it again and again as something that is harmless. Then it's retraining. It's rewiring. It's learning. So is that kind of like, oh, this is very exciting, especially because you work at the VA. Is that kind of like, and forgive me again, if I'm incorrect in the terminology, what do they call it? The like mirror box therapy, right? Yes, for an amputated, yes. for someone who's dealing with an amputation and they feel the um, phantom pains. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's just because it's a rewiring of the brain. It's reteaching the brain, re-entraining the brain to not, c- c- wow, see, Oh, this is fascinating to me. (laughs) Yeah, that is absolutely correct. In fact, um, desensitization or even graded exposure to something that was previously scary um, is part of what they call graded motor imagery and mirror box is part of one of them. One of that. Sometimes I have people who um, cannot move the limb because it is that painful. I literally had one guy cry when he just did this to his knee. It, he barely moved it. And what and, she was doing for those of you who are listening via audio was probably moved it like, uh, look at your fingertip and you know, the first, the, fir- the, the space between like your index finger and the first joint of your index finger, that, that movement. Yeah. Just move that just a little bit. Just, just that tip. That's about how much she was moving it. So just to give you <laughs> a visual. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I know I do too, because we're, we're seeing each other on video and it's like, yeah. oh wait, but audio, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so what, for yeah. him, sorry, uh, for him, what happened is um, I had him imagine moving the knee uh, and he continued to cry. And he's like, why is that painful? Wow. And I told him because you're cueing the brain because just because you're not moving the limb, your brain is always going through visualizations for you. That's like when you, when you see like people, Olympians, like they're listening and they're kind of imagining themselves. The people that visualize best are usually the ones that actually perform better. Um, same thing for when you, when you watch TV and you see someone like go through an accident, you're like, Ooh, because you feel what they feel. Cause the brain's right. actually putting you in that same position. Uh, so yeah. that is actually also a really good way of knowing when the brain is involved versus the tissues. If, if the brain is that reactive to even imagining it, that is a very good sign that you have a brain sensitivity thing. You have a pain problem rather than a tissue problem. Okay. So in, in an example, like where I take shower and I, cause this happened one time, right? I take shower and I shave my legs, you know, I'm bending over just a little bit, like not even what, probably not even 90 degrees. And I'm, shaving my legs. And every time I do it, it's fine. And this one particular day I go to do it. And as I bend down, I feel like this like spasm, the tense, the tightness, the not like, Oh, shooting pain. Ah. And when I go to stand up then I'm like, Oh, ah, 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 ah. Like, so is that potentially my brain that's just being involved and not the actual like back and muscles? 
Yeah. Um, so I guess the question would be here is have, have you had back pain before this incident? Ever in my life? Or you mean that day? In your life? Of course. Yes. Okay. So if you had back pain and if you usually had it at, on, at that same side, and it usually has something to do with bending forward, right? Um, then you are involving a side that your brain has already learned pain in. So it's going to be more sensitive because of that. Oh, yeah, go um, ahead. I'm sorry. Just allow my little sounds in between. That's okay. I think I saw a light bulb just slowly rising above your head. You did because <laughs> I, you know what? Oh my God. And well, go on though. I'll, I'll tell you in a second when you're done. Um, one last piece is when you bend forward like that with your head down and your foot and leg up is you're not just tensioning a muscle. You're actually tensioning the entire nerve on that one side. Oh my God. That makes so much sense. So Oh, it's, this isn't about my story, but, as, but as a relation <laughs> to you guys listening, I want you to understand this because yes, Tawny's right. A light bulb did just go off the very first time my back ever, ever, ever went out, never had a problem, grew up camping, canoeing, hiking with our parents, sleeping on floors. I could lay on the floor. I could sit on the ground, you know, cement, earth, whatever, no problem ever, ever. I got married two days to my ex-husband, who is a very verbally and emotionally abusive alcoholic. I knew down deep I shouldn't marry him that day, but I did anyway, because I did love him. And I just kept the blinders on, right? You know, it'll all be better. Life will be better. He'll be better. And it didn't. Two days after we got married, I was on our bed. Our bed was in the corner of a room and I was on the bed, making the bed. And all I did was take, I was on all fours because, you know, I had to reach the one corner. Right. And I pulled the sheet. It wasn't like trying to fit a fitted sheet or anything. It was just the top sheet. I was just literally pulling it back very gentle motion with my right arm. And I felt something like pop click, not click, but like pop tighten up, whatever. And as I pushed myself off the bed and stood up, boom. And within hours, I literally couldn't stand couldn't sit, stand, move like in, in intense pain. And I kind of always knew it was potentially related to getting married and my ex, but I think I kind of resented certain things, even just a couple days later. And so what you're saying then is that because my brain, whether there was actually physically something really going on or not, because my brain physically associated that action, that bending over motion in that way with this pain from that point forward, there is now this thing going on in my brain that is always kind of hanging out there about that bending over piece. Yes. Is that what? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So and, and to your point, it was potentially a physical thing with that emotional load. So yes. remember the brain's always scanning. So all those things together combined can make it much more likely you will have a pain experience. Wow. And so then other times when I may just to kind of tie this together, then if I may feel, let's say resentment or let's say frustration or overwhelmed, like I may have been that day, right. Way back, mm -hmm. way back when that, and I'm doing I want to add the and piece, right? I yeah. just want to make sure I understand this well. And I add the bending over piece mm -hmm. that it very well may could trigger that pain then. And I'm just like, oh my God, my back went out again. When really it's like, 
step back, say, okay, so, so go on then. So how would I then step back to begin to really address that and allow my body to heal that? What would I, in that, like that case, if I have this awareness now, because light bulb just went off, Mm -hmm. what would I do to kind of start to disassociate and desensitize? Yeah. So I think that is a great question because it really does start with noticing and awareness first. Cause if you don't notice, you don't notice, you can't change. We don't notice. Right. 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 So for you, um, I think this actually would be a better question for you to answer for yourself. Now that you have that awareness, what does that allow you to do in terms of that motion? Wow. That's a great question. What does it allow me to do? You mean like, do I tell myself then I can bend over like I, I will bend over now free of pain, like that kind of thing. What do you mean? So, yeah. So what you have now freed yourself from as you gain that awareness is the fear of that motion. Oh. Right. And fear, danger, again, all those things are tied yeah. in with pain. So if you disassociate the movement with the fear, you are already setting yourself up for success in that now you can start moving and be like, hey, remember brain? this is a safe thing. This is you. And when the brain understands it's safe to do, it starts to let go of pain. Oh my God. So is that kind of like when people have like my friend who has this chronic CRPS situation, Mm -hmm. like serious, like all day, every day, she's just like, ah, it's burning, it hurts, sharp pain, you know, Mm -hmm. so like in that kind of case, yeah, again, there might be some real physical things going on which we do know there are right physically there's some deformity blah blah blah, deformity problems that cannot be fixed physically right Mm -hmm. that are adding to it but so what you're saying then in a case like that because i want to take it from my case which is minimal to like a super extreme case because like you know there are people listening Mm -hmm. god forbid that you know may be dealing with cancer or maybe dealing with certain things that there is some real deep physical causes right Mm -hmm. problems Mm -hmm. um but in a case like that, then would it, would it be enough just at the onset, at the initial kind of beginning learning this, right. Mm-hmm. To say things like it's safe to, to, to go do this. It's safe to, you know, this is okay. Or those mm-hmm. kinds of positive kind of reinforcement things to help begin the desensitization and disassociation in the brain. Absolutely. And that's very well validated by research is that when you start to shift that mindset, um, it starts to help you like, and it, the reflection is in the MRI of the brain itself. Like that is so the brain starts to rewire. Yeah. Um, and, and to that end, what I like to emphasize here is that the only way to see pain by image is if you did an MRI in the brain, if you did an MRI x-ray of anywhere else, you'd get what joints look like, or you've got <laughs> some soft tissue thing, but you have no idea if that person's in pain. Right. So are you talking like the spec scans or the PET scans on the brain? The MRI scan, the F- F- functional MRIs. The functional mm-hmm. MRIs. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and um, see, I love what you just said that, about that because, you know, it is a rewiring of the brain. We can see these things. It is validated and researched by science and backed by science. And at the same time, there are so many people, I think, who are just like kind of living that, I don't want to say victim mindset. Right. Well, well, that word mindset is a big buzzword anyway. Right. Because it's like, what the hell does (laughs) mindset mean? Like change your thoughts, change your life to change your mind. And I don't think it's as simple as that. Like like what you're talking about requires a conscious kind of thought process in my own aware mind 
that says, Susan, it's okay to say that right now this is safe to do. It's okay. That's not Miss Susie positivity. It, change your thoughts, change your life. It is truly a conscious kind of uh, interacted, connected relationship that I'm choosing to have as Susan mind with Susan's brain, right? Is that mm -hmm. what you're saying? And yep. I'm then physically verbalizing this in order to kind of help re-entrain the brain, rewire the brain, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So it's not just like this, have this different mindset, like in a positive place. It's have a mindset, a setness of your mind that is intentional and consciously mm -hmm. aware, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what, like, what have you found to be the most fascinating about this as you kind of dove into this for yourself and you started to see just what an acceleration of like diminishment of pain? Like, what did you, I've just like, what did you start to see? Oh my goodness. Uh, for both, I mean, it's like the typical question is all of it is fascinating to me. Well, yeah. um, so it would say, I would say it was a shift in how I practiced and it was a shift in how people started to receive um, how I taught them and how they received physical therapy. Um, I practice as a pain specialist now because everybody sees that the complex cases seem to do better with me. <laughs> and I'm just, because I'm, I'm addressing the whole person and I'm addressing them, allowing to be able to know with conscious awareness, like what's going on with their system. And the more yeah. they know, the less they fear, even if I'm not giving a desensitization exercise. Right. But, right. Um, I think I quoted HP Lovecraft recently, like the, the oldest fear of mankind is the fear of the unknown. Right. Yeah. So if you make pain known, it becomes less scary. Right, right, right. And so did, what did this happen like over weeks and months or did it happen even you know, quicker than that, where all of a sudden it was like, Hey, send them to Tawny because Tawny can <laughs> like, she really knows how to work with people who have chronic pain situations. And, and did you, did, well, for a lot, I tend to ask two questions at once. Cause I just get so excited. And my brain is like, I got all this stuff. I want to know. Mm -hmm. Did that happen like relatively quickly for you? Um, I think it's, for me, it's still a growing process. Like I said, for me, I always feel like I have to learn more and know more <laughs> partially on me. Cause I, I want to make sure that like, I'm always growing and um, learning. Um, but I would say it started shifting quickly after um, maybe like a, th a few years ago when I took the class and certification, I started to implement these things. Uh -huh. um, and when I implemented, there was a, they're like, wow, you're doing something different. What is it that you're doing different? And then they started to see the changes in the people. And then they're like, oh, let's just keep on giving stuff to you. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you, you guys all need to learn this. <laughs> and did they then? Um, they are learning a lot. I, I have a lot of uh, mentoring that I do in the veterans hospital um, for not just my, my immediate department, but for the general hospital. Um, because I, I think that what it, what is difficult mm -hmm. is I will give a message, right? If I give a message to you that, Hey, your knee looks awesome. Um, it's just about sensitivity in the, in the knee. And then you go see a, an orthopedic and they're like, Oh, that looks terrible. That's knee arthritis for sure. You're, you're not going to be able, you need to have knee surgery. Yeah. Then you're introducing fear again. 
right? right? So there needs to be a global learning across not just me and my my clients and my department. It's got to be everybody because until you can get that message to be consistent, um, it will it will continue to to unravel the things that you do. Isn't it funny how fear is a little fucker? And and <laughs> I, I I do you all know I swear. Uh, but Tanya doesn't have to swear if she doesn't want to, but it is, it, it's just like fear is the, the real basis, right? In my line of work from the emotional, the mental, the psychological perspective, it's all, it's all fear and, and it creates physical, right? It creates stuff in the physical, obviously, which is where you come into play, not only, right? I deal with some physical, you deal with some emotional and spiritual and mental, like we all deal with all of it. We just approach it from these different kind of, you know, doorways in. Right. But that fear is really kind of this underlying little beast that messes with all of us (laughs) in various different ways. And if we could, right. So do you have any, do you have any innovations, right. To, to like remove fear. No, we don't want to remove fear. We really don't because I think, you know, it's a good thing, right? I think yeah. we need to learn to be friends with it and not let it control us. That's really kind of the big thing. So I can have fear. Well, I get, let me ask you then from your perspective, working with pain, let's say, mm-hmm. can I then going back to my back example, mm-hmm. can I have fear about the fact that I really hated when my back would go out and the pain would be what it was for some period of time? Can I have fear about that while disassociating and desensitizing the actions of the bending over. Mm-hmm. So can I, can I have fear that like, I don't really like this pain, pain, the real mm-hmm. physical stuff, pain, pain, but I need, because I'm aware and consciously noticing now I have the power to desensitize and disassociate, which is where the body can really heal the, the, the physical stuff. Is right. that, is that right? Yes, you can do that. And, and I think it's okay that you don't like pain, right? You, you actually bring a good point there. There's a lot of talk about befriending fear, befriending your emotions, befriending pain. Um, And you can, you can like befriend to some, uh, befriend something without liking them all the time. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Right. Thank you. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be, you know, really clear on that. Is there any kind of, um, a process or anything that, and and I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Um, Tawny and I did have a conversation prior to, you know, today, uh, just a little about what we'd want to talk about. Well, like we didn't come up with this big agenda and all these questions and da da da. We were actually just prior to the beginning of the recording, trying to figure out a great title for the episode. Right. And So I I didn't ask her. And so if you don't, it's okay. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Is there any kind of a little, I don't know, quick process meditation, something that you'd love to share besides Mm -hmm. the fact that you are offering up? And if you guys deal with pain in any way, please really go get this. Uh, Tawny's offering up this uh, free guide right? That she created detailing the seven core areas that she works on with nearly all her clients that really help them take back control of their chronic pain and really allow their bodies to begin to heal themselves. And it's called not just another pain recovery guide. I love that. And it will pop up 
and it'll be in the show notes and I'll mention it again at the end of the show, but it'll pop up when you go to drtawnycross.com. That's doctor, like D-R, T-Tom, A-W-N-Y-K-R-O-S-S.com. Again, it'll be in the show notes and I'll mention it again later, but go grab that guide. I'm going to grab that guide. Because I, I do believe we all have some pain sometimes. And if it's really just sometimes some of that like past stuff that's just getting in the way now, you know, uh, again, not that I want to keep blabbering on. And, and again, I could have this a little bit wrong, but there's two types of um, uh, uh, meniscus tear, correct? Um, well, there's actually probably more than that, but you can n- narrow it down. <laughs> but there's two types, one where one can heal itself because it has blood supply and one does not. Is that correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right, I have, out, yeah. yeah, I have the one that doesn't have blood supply. So allegedly have I've been told it can't heal itself. Yet I don't hardly ever have any issues and I've never had it fixed. Mm-hmm. And once in a blue moon, my knee will bother me a little and I'll feel the ache. And for a while there was getting cortisone shots every like once a year or something, but Mm -hmm. like it doesn't, because I'm starting to recognize this. So what you said today is like, Oh my God, like now I feel like I can really get to the root of it, like re desensitize my brain on this. Mm -hmm. So it, because of that, and I'm so keenly aware of that. And I so believe the body can heal itself always. Is there, is there a little something besides your guy, the guy that you're offering up, which thank you for that, that you yeah. could offer up now? Yeah. Um, so I think we could go through a quick like mindfulness technique, just being and cool. just letting your, your brain like run through some different ideas and thoughts. And for people that have not gone through mindfulness before, um, you're not a monk you're going to get your mind distracted. <laughs> if you've not practiced it, it's okay. And if any time that your mind drifts, just be like, oh, my, my mind's slipping off again because it's all squirrel. Um, let me reorient. Um, yeah. And for people who've had trauma, sometimes closing their eyes, uh, things of that nature can be a little bit um, difficult and unsafe, in which case keep your eyes open just and just allow it to be something you're listening and imagining. Okay. I'm okay. going to close my eyes, actually. Okay. And I'm going to stare awkwardly at the camera while you do this game. Okay. Um, so you're going to, whoever is listening to this call, you're going to find a nice, comfortable seated position and make sure your, your feet are flat on the floor, back is firmly placed against the chair. And you can just rest your hands on the middle of your thighs or wherever you'd like and take a nice deep breath in and exhale. And if you do not, Closing your eyes now, you can have your eyes closed. Just give yourself a moment to settle in. And allow your shoulders to relax. Allow your belly to relax. Allow your face and jaw to relax. Allow your thighs, legs, feet and toes to relax. And really bring your awareness to your breathing. Just notice how you breathe in and out. And as you're breathing, I'd like you to imagine that you're standing at a harbor and you see the opening of the ocean farther out the way. And as you look in front of you, directly in front of you, you see three boats, just small boats, 
one right next to another. And on those boats, you see that there's space to hold anything you want to put in it. And they're moving, floating underneath you, nice and steady. And as you look at the boat on the left, that boat is your present moment. Contained in that boat, you can put in your physical sensations and your emotions. Things like things you hear, things that you feel, pain, tension, your heart beating, sweaty palms, emotions, whether it's happiness, anxiety, anger, fear, or joy, that's contained in the boat on the left. In the middle boat are your thoughts. These include your evaluations, your judgments, and your predictions. Then the boat on the right includes all the urges you have to avoid, control, or pull away. When you look down at these three boats, they are a metaphor for your mind. And when you look down at these three boats, go ahead and turn your attention to something painful that you've been struggling with. It can be a physical pain or it can be something emotionally painful. And it can be small pain, like you just bumped into a doorway or it could be an emotionally painful thing that's small, like you burned a piece of toast or it can be much bigger, whatever feels right to you. As you notice the struggle that you thought of, look back down at the boats and see what shows up on the left-hand side of the boat with regard to the physical sensations and emotions. Notice what sort of sensations and emotions show up. Place it on the boat below you on the left and you can gently send it along the way out of the harbor. Then we'll bring our awareness to the center boat, which are your thoughts. As you think about that struggle, notice what kind of evaluations, judgments, predictions arise and place them on the boat in the middle and coax that boat to move on out of the harbor. Then still gently maintaining contact with that struggle. Notice what kind of urges you had. It might be to control or eliminate, to change or to avoid. Just notice what comes up and place it on the boat on the right and allow that boat to go out of the harbor. Then just take about 60 seconds on your own, looking at the boats that were there, the left, the center, the right. Noticing physical sensations, emotions, 
thoughts, and urges. And then notice that you're on a harbor, standing, looking over that entire experience. And just spend the next few moments noticing what comes up for you, knowing that you're safe. And it's sort of peaceful looking at those three boats gently moving and floating away. And when you're ready, bring your awareness back. Allow that exercise to fade away. You can take your awareness back to your belly. Focus on taking those nice deep breaths in and out. Noticing your belly rising and falling. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back. Mm, very powerful. And here's what's interesting for me and what happened. During placing things in the boat, I started having coughing fits. And when you asked, and you didn't, you all didn't hear it because I muted my mic and then I'd turn it back on and then I would have to mute it again and I'd turn it back on. And I'm, I'm pretty adept at being able to go into that space, eyes open, eyes closed. Like, I don't have to like think about it or reconnect. I'd like connect it, right? And when you asked to kind of place it in and then allow the boat, like what, what's coming up, mine was control and safety. <laughs> and I don't consider myself a control like freak or anything, but it's a control of like, because of the six sexual assaults in my life, no matter how loving of a life I've had, great support, this, that, and the other. It's still during those six different occasions, I experienced a lack. I experienced a complete helplessness and powerlessness, right? Mm -hmm. And so it became this need to like try to control something, right? And feel safe to some degree. And mm -hmm. I don't care how like super inner work much inner work I do, there's still going, I feel like there's still going to be an element of that, that I will always potentially come up against in a one form or another, like now, right? Like, I don't feel like, oh, I have to control this exercise or whatever. But there was this piece of like, if I'm going to kind of see myself placing things in the boats, in the presence, in, in kind of the emotional states, in the, in the, urges and things like that there is an element that says okay but still make sure you're safe mm -hmm. right still make sure you're safe and mm -hmm. and so that kind of created this coughing need right like uh, because i haven't coughed all day <laughs> and i'm not coughing now and i didn't cough once you said you're safe it was almost like then I could just totally see myself on the harbor in the distance doing it and she's safe and it's all, everything's good and it's all safe. And then the kind of, the, the kind of like 
feeling inside of my lungs that almost felt like, oh, you're going to cough here in a second. Like, you're not going to be able to control it. It's going to come. Just kind of totally went away. Very powerful stuff. Yeah. And I love how you notice all those things. Like you said, the inner work that you do and being in that mindfulness space, I think allowed you to access a lot of insight really quickly. Oh, yeah. So I hope that you guys, you know, were able to do this and and feel levels of insight for yourself, right? You know, and if you're not, you know, do it again. We listen to this this part again in the, in the episode over and over. Just feel kind of that um, safety for yourself, right? So that, because I think what you're saying with the work that you've done and all the science and the research that's backed all this is that because we really have the ability, the physical body has the ability to heal, we have to, as the humans in form, in this full expression, right, of ourselves and our spiritualness, whatever that means for each of us, we have to kind of give it that space, that container, that safe permission Mm -hmm. to allow that healing to take place, right? Yes, yes. I think the key word you mentioned is allow. Um, Most people, like when they feel pain, they avoid but if you avoid, you never give the chance to allow that healing. Oh my God. This has been such an amazing conversation. Any, uh, we're, we're uh, definitely kind of at the end. I mean, I could talk to you for another like hour <laughs> for sure. Um, is there any kind of final thoughts or words of wisdom or advice or whatever you want to call it that you would love to kind of share with, with the audience to really drive home kind of the, the idea that chronic pain, you know, we really are uh, whole and healed already. And chronic pain really is curable. It really is. Um, I had two things that popped into my head. One is that we know that the brain rewires, like the reason why um, it is in this chronic pain state to begin with is because it was, it was wired to protect you all the time. And if it can wire this way, it can also rewire and in which case chronic pain is truly curable. And I think Susan is an example of that to the extent that she brought up her CRPS. Um, If she hadn't done any of that inner work, inner healing pieces throughout her life, I think that her CRPS would be much more pronounced than it would be. Um, So do the work, do the inner work, do the physical work, and you will see a huge difference in your life. All right. So one, thank you for that. And I do want to just add one thing or ask Mm -hmm. one thing. What if you have somebody though, who really does do the inner work and they still have such a problem with like, say like a CRPS, we'll use that as an example. Could that be that there really is a, just such a physical because of like some anatomical, whatever that it's pinching, you know what I mean? Like like, yeah. is that because I did, that's the part where I think I was trying to get to earlier that yes. I don't want people to walk away and go, oh, well, now I still have this pain. So something's wrong with me. And emotionally, I'm not doing it when they could, you know. So there's that's why it is important to do the holistic piece, right? It is not just about the, the inner emotional stuff, because, you know, you could you know, work on the mental stuff all day long. But if you are not physically moving, let's say like your body's never going to adapt to become something that moves. Um, But the reason why the inner work is powerful is I speak to more the the mind, the brain piece. For example, you brought up the cancer piece, right? Um, There's hypnosis and guided imagery 
for, for people who experience cancer and they have less pain or even no pain because they are working on mind techniques. And it's not because they have an emotional load, but it's because the brain is powerful. It is a true regulator of whether you have pain or not pain. And if you can tap into that power, then you can tap into allowing your body to be pain-free. Oh my God. What an amazing conversation, Tawny. Thank you so much for being here. And I would invite you all again to go visit drtawnycross.com and grab her, uh, not just another pain recovery guide, (laughs) uh, offering it for free. What beautiful insights today, what beautiful tips and beginning strategies we can all start using to really start to heal those pieces I just, I love the, the, the desensitizing and, and de-associating, right? And associating differently so that we can really begin. Because I think one of the biggest problems, honestly, with pain management or pain, chronic pain, and I'm not the expert, but I think one of the biggest challenges I know I've seen in my work over the years is that. I've been told, like you said, here's this anatomical issue. I buy into the belief of it. I'm convinced that's the way it's going to be. I look for the evidence of it. Oh, I don't have pain. I do have physical pain. I keep the association. And then I, what I'm really doing though, is I keep giving my power away externally. Right. And if Mm -hmm. I can take a measure of that power back, which I think the the mindfulness kind of exercise was helpful to do then I can feel a sense of empowerment and begin to address that. And if not, then reach out to Tawny who can help you. (laughs) Yes, I would love to be able to help. Thank you so much again for being here. I um, look forward to maybe more conversations down the road. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. You're very welcome. All right, y'all, you know the routine. Um, I, I love and adore y'all. I'm always going to bring people on that I really believe in who they are and what they're doing. And I think that they're unique and awesome and amazing and they're badasses in my world because they work from a place of love and passion and service and care. And they really just want to see us as a humanity grow and evolve. And I know that Dr. Tawny Cross today was one of those people who really wants to see all of us who are dealing with any kind of pain issues to really move into a different space with that because our bodies truly have the ability to heal. For now, go be the amazing, awesome, fully spiritually expressed, badass, divine human I know you are, and I will see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to another episode of The Spiritually Expressed Human, a place where we come together to navigate the human experience as the fully spiritually expressed divine human badasses we were all meant to be. If you liked what you heard on today's show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on the platform of your choice so that together we can share this out to the world and make the impact we're all here to make. If you'd like more information or just to touch base with me, please go to susandesunzi.com and explore and grab yourself some free gifts while you're there. Thank you so much for listening.